how did you come to that conclusion? Like, hey, I don't have to go to this traditional route, right? Because a lot of folks think, hey, take the traditional route, go to school, get a degree, mm-hmm. get a job, retire. I was kind of forced into some of that because, you know what, I was a C student in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so university was just not something I really even thought of. It's not to mention finances, having a kid, everything else. I really did have to go to work. And, but, you know, I, I did a lot of things out of the norm. So mm-hmm. a lot of it was just no choices. I had to go to work mm-hmm. and I always had to have a job. I couldn't just go to school or anything, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think from there, it was just the thought process that I, I didn't want to be the, the grinding. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Uh, very excited for today's show. We've got two amazing people on the line with us. Uh, we have Edna Keep and Brian LaGrange. Great to have you guys on the show today. Thanks so, so much for spending some time with us in this brand new year. This is actually the first podcast I've recorded in 2022. So thanks for, for spending this time with me today. My pleasure. Yeah. All right, Edna. So you're coming on as our experienced investor today. I'm super excited to hear from you and a little bit about yourself. So please tell us about yourself. Give us an idea of your background, where you came from, and how you got into apartment investing. Sure. Uh, well, uh, my background just before I got into real estate investing is I was a financial advisor for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always tell people that once I got the feel and understood real estate, I could no longer sell my product, which was Mitchell Funds. So yeah. I sold my practice and went into real estate full time. Um, but before that happened, we were actually introduced to real estate through the Robert Kiyosaki group. Oh, nice. And uh, we ended up with 50 doors in our first 18 months uh, mm-hmm. when our goal was, I don't know, we, I remember sitting with our, with our salesperson and him, and him asking what your goal is. We went, I don't know, 50, 100 50 doors, five years, 10 years. We really didn't know what was possible. <laughs> right? We just didn't know. It's like throwing um, darts at a dartboard at that point, right? At that point, yeah. Because yeah. we hadn't even bought anything at that point. And uh, and and I think their premise was, well, do you need help? Well, yeah, yeah, we want mm-hmm. help. But at the time, it was like, we we didn't know. And But when we hit 50 doors in 18 months, and our last one being a 24-unit apartment building, mm-hmm. We knew then that yeah. that's what we wanted to do. And I uh, sold my practice shortly after that and uh, went into real estate full time. And uh, that that was a very, very fun deal. We ended up condo mm-hmm. converting that building wow. and selling the, the units out. So we paid 75000 a door mm-hmm. in our home city. And uh, we turned around and sold them between 120 and 140, uh, wow. 145, I think, a door. So just to give you an idea. And, and that was our first big, big deal. Like yeah. before that, it was all houses, duplexes, that sort of thing. Now, when and, when you oh sorry, um, go go ahead if you have something more to say, and then I'll no, I'll, no that's good. You you go ahead and ask me. I think you so. So the, the fifty doors. I mean, did you do that using your own money, or did you do that using other people's money? How did you go from zero to fifty so quickly? Because that that's a that's quick. 
Well, and that was the question that people kept asking me. And mm-hmm. that's how I ended up with a program that teaches people that. But yeah. how we started was, first of all, we got educated. So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have a clue. I didn't understand. You know, a lot of people think financial under, financial advisors understand all things. Mm-hmm. I didn't had no idea about real estate. Yeah. And and when people used to come in and uh, and talk to me about real estate, I'd say, oh, really? Why do you want to invest in an asset class that pays you like 3% a year? That, that's what I thought. I only yeah. thought appreciation. Didn't think anything else. Right? Yeah. No leverage, no cash flow thrown into that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. None of it. And um, so what, what we did is our own personal house in our area had almost doubled in value in the last five years. So we had a mm-hmm. bunch of equity. So our first two properties, we used equity out of our own home. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, our, our, all our money was in mutual funds, which at the market was down at that time. So I wouldn't take anything out. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we've divested of all our mutual funds, but mm-hmm. at the time we didn't. And we wanted to to buy these two properties. So our first two purchases were a couple condos, that, and they were also apartment buildings that had been converted into, um, or condos that converted into apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. So those were our first two purchases. We still own them to this day. Nice. Um, and then our third purchase, and, and one of my favorite favorite classes with Robert Kiyosaki group, Tigrant Learning, uh, was creative financing. Because mm-hmm. we knew at that point, if we wanted to scale, we we're going to have to learn how to use other people's money. Yeah. And so our third deal was a duplex. And uh, we got the owner uh, to invest with us, the whole down payment. So mm-hmm. she, she actually said to me after we explained the concept and stuff, she said, wow, for once in my life, I'm going to win twice. I get the price <laughs> I want for my property and I want to get 6% return on my money. She was like, holy, Boom. this is like unbelievable. Yeah. And um, and we did pay her for a full price offer, which mm-hmm. you know, at the time was maybe 5,000 more than, than what we should. But I mean, we got appraised and appraised and yep. financed, all that stuff. Um, and, and we cash flowed that little duplex because mm-hmm. it was a two bedroom up, one bedroom down, a thousand a month for the next five wow. years. You know, so that a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to nickel and dime and grind till that last 5,000 and 2,000. Mm-hmm. And and we, we just didn't adopt that concept. I've mm-hmm. always been of the mind more as opposed to less. And I don't care if I spend five grand more to me, it's about getting the, the mm-hmm. deal, you yeah. know. And um, so from there, all other people's money, all other people's money. With my background as a financial advisor, I knew what people were looking for mm-hmm. when it came to investing. And um, the first thing they're looking for is how am I going to get my principal back? And uh, so we learned how to talk that language. And I and mm-hmm. I started teaching people how to talk that language. And yeah, so our claim to fame has been basically that we're 778 doors in, all nice. with investor capital, except for our first two deals. And awesome. even then, it was leveraged, just not uh, not not investor capital. Right, right. Well, that's awesome. So, seven hundred and how many doors now? Seven seventy eight. Seven seventy eight. That's yeah. that's a good number. You know, um, we're at uh, I'm at six fifty five right now on on my on, on the GP side, but uh, um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a really good number to be at, and takes takes a lot of work to get there. So, um, you know, so when when you started raising investor capital. Um, you leveraged your financial background. You were able to to basically, because of your background, you knew what investors were looking for. So you were able to speak their language. And I, I really, really appreciate how you said that because there's that you have to kind of know what people are looking for. Um, so, so a follow on question from that, you know, as a financial advisor, were you able to go out to some of your previous clients and ask them to invest, or was there are, are there are there laws against that? I'm not even sure how that works. 
Um, I didn't have any laws against it. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when I sold my book to my, Mm -hmm. to the fellow who bought it, Mm -hmm. I just told him, I said, I have spoken to a few of these clients over time. Mm -hmm. And there are a few that I already know want to come with me. So just so you know, I don't know if they're going to move money from mutual funds or if they'll put new money in, but just so you know, and Mm -hmm. I, and if, if whatever they move to me, I won't charge you for. So it was full on the table before we ever uh, pulled Mm -hmm. the, pulled the trigger. And that was part of the stipulation because I actually had a few people wanting to buy my book of business Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I knew that ahead of time. So as long as they were good with it, then uh, it was was okay to sell it. So we, we clarified up front, but to tell you the truth, Mm-hmm. Not very many moved over from the mutual fund world. I had a few people, like I think maybe nine, mm-hmm. that had already indicated interest in in real estate. Just they just heard me saying that we had started investing, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more." And so then, when when that happened, I told them more. So when yeah. when I quit, I invited a few out, and, I, and there was like maybe nine that that started investing with us. But most of the people we met uh, investors through um, networking groups that mm-hmm. uh, that. We we met after we were already in real estate. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So um, only a few, and I, I guess that's not really surprising because, you know, most, most people who, who are looking for um, an investment manager, like you were, are probably looking for the stock and bond solution. You know, they're, they're probably. Well, and then I always said, I think maybe I was too good of a salesperson. They were all convinced mutual funds were the way to yeah. go. Too, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I, I think that, that that's really interesting. You know, and, and you said it yourself, you know, at, at the beginning, you were like, you know, as a financial advisor, you you didn't understand the concept of real estate. Um, and I think that that happens to a lot of people. And, you know, they, they look at the the value of, of real estate. It's only appreciating three to five percent per year or two and a half percent per year. And, and they don't look at the other factors involved. And once once you once you realize that you very quickly jump ship. I mean, you very quickly said, oh my goodness, you know, greener pastures over there. Here we go. So I love it. And and you know, when, when investors would ask me, and this is Mm -hmm. key for your listeners, when investors say, well, I want to go past this by my financial advisor, just know (laughs) they don't know. They don't know. And and if they try to tell you, they know, they, they don't know unless they're already investing in real estate. And then they'll probably have to agree with you. Other than that, they don't know. And the number one thing they're trying to do is salvage their, the the book of business they have. Mm -hmm. And which is, that was me because I had a few investors. It was one of the things that got me interested in real estate coming in and said, I want to take some of my money out of my mutual funds for real estate and go, really, really? And I would say, you do to get 3% on your money. Like, and, and so you have to tell them before they walk out the door to say, yeah. well, make sure your, your, uh, your financial advisor understands real estate because mm-hmm. most don't, they're not trained. Uh, it's like um, a doctor's trained by pharmaceutical companies. So their number one solution is a, is a pill. Yeah. And uh, when you're taught by a mutual fund salesperson, your number one solution is a mutual, a mutual fund. fund. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, the deck is stacked. You know, in the financial industry. I mean, and, and this is I, I learned this through a Tony Robbins book about it. But you know, the the people who are in that financial advisor position are usually selling their company's products because that and that's the only thing they train you on. They yeah. do not want you to know anything else. Mm-hmm. And and you know. 
And, and like rightly so. Do you want to know that, you know, SO grade fuel is better or different than co-op grade? Like you don't want to know. You're yeah, going right. to co-op employees to know the benefits of, you know, so it's understandable. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, people need to know that because mm-hmm. lots don't. And I, I will say, you know, we we've had, you know, somewhere around three to 400, between three and 400 people invest with us. A hundred percent of the people who have said, I'm going to go to ask my financial advisor have come back and said, my financial advisor recommended against it. Uh, you of know, course. some yeah. of them still invest with yeah. us. Some of them don't, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, it, I, I think there's anyway, there's the, the Tony Robbins book on it is uh, you know master <laughs> of money or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like a really mean. good explanation of how that works. They, they don't understand real estate. Um, most financial advisors are, trained, like you said, to push a certain product, you know, not to give you the best solution, but to give you an appropriate solution, you know, or, or, or a good solution. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot, lots the, of, in lots most of stuff. cases, the only solution they know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, speaking of, I, I learned something, you know, a long time ago from my dad, you know, and this was, you know, my, my dad was on a phone call with uh, his brother, my uncle, and I just remember my dad laughing and my, my dad's had like every Sunday, he's called his brother for years and years and years. And I'm just like, what's so funny, dad? You know, I was a teenager at the time and he's like, my brother's asking my dad for marital advice. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong you know, that? I'm like, shouldn't he ask his dad for advice? You know, and I, like I said, I'm like 14 at the time. And my dad looked at me and says, my dad's been divorced four times. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and 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 be careful. What I learned from there is be careful who you get advice from. And and my dad's follow up to that is if he follows my dad's advice, he's going to end up divorced like my dad was. You know, and it's the same thing with the financial advisors. You know, if if they don't know, you know, they they may know mutual funds, exchange traded funds, you know, stocks and bonds and, and portfolio management, but. If they don't know real estate, don't ask them about real estate. You know that's that's really the, the takeaway from that. But uh, but yeah. So so moving on. Moving on, Edna. One question I love to ask everybody um, is, what is your big burning why? What's your motivation for this? You know, I was I became a single mom at the age sixteen, and mm-hmm. I lived in subsidized housing. Uh, mm-hmm. My daughter was in subsidized daycare, and and I I. I from very young age, I knew I wanted to be rich. Mm-hmm. I, I had people tell me because my first job, I made like twelve hundred bucks a month, mm-hmm. and um, and I remember people telling me, like people close to me, Edna, you've got to learn to live within your means because mm-hmm. I had like a two thousand dollar credit card debt, which when yeah. you're earning twelve hundred dollars a month, is a lot of money, right? A lot. And uh, I went, if I'm going to learn something, I'm going to learn how to be rich. I don't <laughs> want to learn how to live within my means. Like, like that's ludicrous. You know, even to this day, I tell you guys, one of my favorite little pastimes is to be on TikTok. And when I see people advertising, oh, follow me and I'm going to teach you. I seen a lady the other day, the price of groceries is going up so much. And now it's like five bucks yeah. for whatever it was. I'm going to teach you how to clip coupons. So da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, Nothing like studying poverty, right? That sounds horrible. It sounds terrible, right? Study. I and so many times I want because it pops up every once in a while on my feed. I just want to go, young lady, 
why would you study poverty yeah. instead of wealth? But then I don't want to burst her balloon. But it's, you know what, we have, if we want to become wealthy, we have to study wealth. We do not study poverty to become wealthy, just like we would not study your dad, your dad. Yeah. Marital advice. Yeah. I mean, you would think that's common sense, but it's not common sense. So we need to teach people that. As yeah. Well. And it's, it's, I think a lot of people have that mentality, you know, in, in my, my parents' generation, um, if you just look generational, they kind of had that scarcity mentality. You know, they, they grew up through some hard times. I mean, and, and a lot of them had that scarcity mentality. And so, you know, their way of coping with it was clipping coupons and, well, and trying and to the, stretch your dollar. And the other thing too, in, even in the TV shows, and it's still mm-hmm. very prominent today, they depict rich people as bad. Yeah. You know, like, have you ever watched that show, uh, Two Broke Girls. It's a comedy, yeah. Two Broke Girls. No. Uh-huh. Anyway, it, it, it's hilarious. It's very funny. But one was a poor girl. One was a rich girl. The rich girl's dad was something in finance that screwed a bunch of people. And so the whole show about how bad rich people are and how good, you know, how, mm-hmm. how not the other way. And, you know, you see so many TV shows like that. And I remember as a kid, my mother saying, because I had told them I want to be rich. Um, you know what? That's not the solution to everything. Money doesn't buy happiness. And then making me watch a TV show that showed this really wealthy lady, you know, never getting love in her life and all this kind of stuff, you know? So yeah. it's it's like they they want to depict all the downsides. I know many wealthy people now this, this late in my life, and they're so wonderful, wonderful. They, they're powerful mentors. They want to help people. And yet as a kid, I was fed that they, that they have a bad side and an evil and a, and a greedy side. So, so when I got, when I was saying I wanted to be rich, that was all the stuff that was pointed out to me. Well, you be careful because, you know. Yeah. I think money just amplifies, you know, I mean, if you're a bad person and you make a lot of money, you're going to be a bad rich guy. You know, if you're a good person and you make a lot of money, you're going to be a, I mean, you're going to be a philanthropist. You're going to be generous. You're going to be helpful with other people. You know, it's not the money that determines the person. And I think that's, I think you're absolutely right though. You know, media, especially kind of vilifies people who have a lot of money, you know, three or four years ago, it was the 1%, you know, everybody was hating on the 1%. And I was trying to get into the 1%, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I don't hate those guys. I want to be those guys. guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, (laughs) <laughs> that 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 was the mentality I had from the beginning. And I, you know, I think, uh, you know, lo- looking at me growing up, I, I do think my my father did have a lot of resentment towards people with money. And it took me a while to break through that habit. You know, it took me a while mm-hmm. to realize that I carried some of his resentment. But really, I, like I said, I just realized one day I wanted to be in the 1%. I wanted, you know, so I don't want to hate on those guys. I don't want to drag them down. I don't want to, you know, make them pay, you know, eight, you know, 80% of their income in taxes because I want to be them. Oh, yeah. and lots of people do. They yeah. think that that's, uh, that's how life should be, right? Yeah. I saw, I saw a post <laughs> they saying think about how many people they employ and, oh, yeah. and how, you know, all that kind of stuff. They don't think about the taxes that are paid indirectly through them. Mm-hmm. They only think, oh, that corporation pays like 13% or whatever it is. Uh, and that's how that's where they think that there's that big savings. But the majority of their income goes to pay employees mm-hmm. and buy equipment oh, yeah. and different stuff like that, which is all taxed. And so, 
yeah, they're getting corporate tax and then their their employees are all getting taxed. I mean, they're they're literally getting double taxed. And, and when you look at their when you look at their personal income statement versus their tax return, you're like, they're paying less percentage than I am. Well, they're they're also paying millions of dollars, you know. But uh, yeah, anyway. they don't they don't want to think about that though. No, I mean, hear you talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that, that that's something that I have noticed, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm a big Elon Musk fan myself, you know, and I love to see what he does. You know, is he the best person in the world? Probably not. But gosh, I mean, he does a lot of good things and he gets a lot of hate in the media for, you know, oh, but he created an all electric car that can drive hundreds and hundreds of miles and he has electric stations throughout the world. But God, that battery. Man, he couldn't produce a battery that's good for the that lasted more than ten years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like anyway. Um, yeah, so end of the day, we want to be in that one percent, you know, and that's I, I think real estate bringing us back to real estate. Real estate is a great way to do that. But uh, anyway, let's let's talk about uh, you know specifically about you know one of your projects or kind of your investment philosophy. Um, tell, tell us a little bit more about, you know, a specific deal or your philosophy on, on doing deals. Sure. Uh, well, our favorite strategy is the Burr strategy with mm -hmm. uh, apartment buildings yeah. um, because we love buying undervalued deals, uh, you know, uh, stuff that's vacant and run down does not uh, bother us. Mm -hmm. And um, so we like to get in and increase the rents yep. and, and the occupancy, decrease expenses, get the best financing possible, and then hold long term. Yep. And a lot of times we can refinance out. And, and like we talked about earlier, we use a lot of investor capital. Mm -hmm. So just uh, to give you one of our early examples, um, we bought a 144-unit apartment building in 2012. Mm -hmm. And that was our first big deal, like big deal. And um, we had our investors 100% paid out in 36 months. Nice. And then, and, and we knew just based on cash flow, because it was a good deal, that just cash flow alone, we could have had them paid out in four and a half years. Um not counting mortgage pay down or equity mm -hmm. appreciation or anything like that. And we were able to do it in 36 months because it was under rented. A charity had owned it and hadn't really, it'd been given to the charity as a, as a, like a legacy and they just didn't know how to run it. And then they eventually sold it. So mm -hmm. it was a bit, bit run down and a bit under, under managed and stuff like that. So we got a really good deal. And so, so that was our strategy. And you know what, it was still um, occupied enough uh, and highly enough that we still got really good finance financing on it right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so those then so that's our kind of our favorite strategy, we have bought turnkey properties. And yeah. another part that uh, works really good for us, and we get a lot of is vendor financing. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you got to know how to present that you got to know when to present it. And, and, uh, and if that'll really reduce the amount of capital you have to uh, raise, and, and, you know, uh, sellers are really predisposed to invest in real estate because yeah. what are they going to do with their money? Unless they're going to go buy something else, the reason they're divesting a small one to get a bigger one or something like that. Um, lots of people that we buy from are, you know, tired landlords. They're done. Yes. They've done it for many years. They've made their money. They're aging out. And um, 
But 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 what are they going to do with their money? Are they going to put it in the stock market? Hell no. They never liked the stock market in the first place. That's why they went with real estate. Right. And they're definitely not going to put it in a term deposit because what do you get? Like one or two percent, right? Yeah. And uh, so I always consider them predisposed uh, investors. And, and you know, we've had as high as, um, you know, 10 percent uh, vendor financing on our nice. deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great way to get things done. Uh, what, what's your average uh, deal size as far as unit count? You know, we, because I'm from uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, most of our deals were smaller deals. Like even mm-hmm. the 144 units we bought, it was all a package deal, but it's actually mm-hmm. four different buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got anything from 12 to uh, 144. Our last purchase mm-hmm. uh, in, in one lump sum was the biggest we've ever done was 178 units in Memphis, okay. Tennessee. And then that was the biggest one we've ever done. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you still got to 700 just with a lot of smaller, smaller properties. Um, now, is, is it 700 that you own now or 700 that you've owned total? 778 total. Yeah, 778 total. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, still, still a great number. Um, yeah. And, right. and you know, how you mentioned earlier, your thousand doors, uh, it, yeah. you know, uh, my partner and I, we've bought most of our stuff in Canada this mm-hmm. year and the last couple of years we bought in the U.S., we have a goal this year of doing a thousand doors. So we'll see how that comes forward. But yeah, I, I know. I know. I mean, that's, that's typically, that's it's an easy number to pick, you know, a thousand, you know, cut three zeros on the end, nice round number. Um, yeah, that was our, our goal for last year. We didn't quite get there, but you know, Hey, but there, still what you've done is amazing. And yeah. you know, when you have, when you shoot high, what is it? What's that saying? When you shoot for the stars and you hit the moon or vice versa, it's yeah. still moon. a big goal. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You're the more you light, the more it starts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll settle for a mountaintop, you know, is, is kind of how that works, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah aim high and, and you're, you might not, you not, might not make it, but, uh, you know, you're going to get higher than you would if you aimed low. So, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Edna, what's next for you besides Thousand Doors in 2022? Well, you know, my I've I've learned over the last few years, Brian, that my absolute favorite thing to do is coaching and training students. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a program that takes uh, students. You know, most most people they start with houses because mm-hmm. natural. Most of the gurus out there teach about houses, yep. and. Um, and so people have two, three houses, they can't get any more financing, uh, maybe used up all their own capital. Now they yep. want to scale. They they know and love real estate and want to scale. I'm able to move them into the multifamily world and teach them what they need to know, including raising capital. And then, you know, start looking at buying, you know, an eight or 12 or a 24 unit, as opposed to a house here and a house yep. there and, and do it using other people's money so they can scale quicker. Um and and that that's my favorite thing to do. Like people, I have lots of times people say to me, "Well, you got so many doors, and and mm-hmm. and you know your wealth is taken care of. Why why are you doing this?" Mm-hmm. And and I go, you know, I think everything that ever happened to me that I went through my whole life has brought me to this point because now. Um, my real estate stuff is mostly managed by other people. I, mm-hmm. I raise capital and I'm part of deals just because of my knowledge and what I've been able to do. Um, but I don't manage any of the day to day stuff. I'll advise and and you know stuff like that, but I don't deal even with with any staff. So I my time is spent coaching and training Teaching. others, and I love it. It's my yeah. my favorite thing on earth. Awesome. And and how can people find out more about that since we're on that topic right now? 
You know, the best way is to reach out to my website, mm-hmm. uh, my which is my name, ednakeep.com. I've got tons of videos on there. It'll give you mm-hmm. a good idea if, if I'm the, the person to work with you. And then if you feel like I am, I just suggest you book a strategy call because they won't just work with just anybody. They got to have a you know certain mm-hmm. desire level and, and yep. attitude. And uh, yeah, but my website, they can find me on YouTube too. I'm all mm-hmm. over YouTube as well. Um, and, and I do YouTube ads as well. So sometimes my that'll even just pop up right in your face. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's great. And uh, for anybody who's um, listening and not watching, you know, the, the website's going to be in the show notes. If you're watching, you can see it on her virtual background. So that, that's super, super simple. But uh, um, we're going to do a little transition right now, and it's time to bring on Brian. So Brian LaGrange, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, thanks, Bruce. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, actually known about your podcast for quite some time now. Um, one of uh, the folks that we do network with, with every week she talks about it. So it uh, sounds like you are gaining popularity. And I'm, I'm excited and glad to hear about that. You know, um, it, it's been a fun ride and I love doing it. I mean, this 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 conversation has been like the highlight of my day so far. And uh, it's 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 a joy and I'm I'm glad other people get value out of it. So um, you know, thanks for thanks for saying that. It's it's especially nice to hear people say, I love your show. So appreciate yeah. that. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm I'm Brian Lagrange. Uh I've been doing commercial wholesaling for about eight months now, and then I'm actually mm-hmm. working on getting my real estate license. Nice. Um, so I'm the I'm the newbie on the show on this episode here. I'm the fly on the wall. But uh yeah. just listening to all this conversation, it's been it's been incredible hearing about Edna's journey. And uh yeah. And so, Enda, uh, just want to ask you, how did you, because you said, hey, I, I was a single mother at 16 nights, mm-hmm. right? From the get-go, that's a hard place to come from to get where you're at currently. Yeah. How did you come to that conclusion? Like, hey, I don't have to go to this traditional route, right? Because a lot of folks think, hey, take the traditional route, go to school, get a degree, mm-hmm. get a job, retire. Yeah. You know, I was kind of forced into some of that um, because, you know what, I was a C student in school. Mm -hmm. Um, So university was just not something I really even thought of. And, and, you know, back, you know, in the day, it was like teacher, nurse, that kind of stuff. And that caregiver thing was not up my alley. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I knew that. I, you know, I I thought secretary, accounting clerk, something like that, that was something that I would like to do. Um, So university wasn't even in the cards, not to mention finances, having a kid, everything else. I really did have to go to work. And, but, you know, I, I did a lot of things out of the norm. I had a kid at 16. Mm -hmm. I finished high school through taking correspondence courses and that studying on the side really opened a lot of doors for me too, because I started to realize that you don't have to go to university to get where you Mm -hmm. want to go. You can take evening classes and weekend classes and stuff like that. I actually even signed up for a network marketing company and learned some of the business strategies through that, you know, Uh, Primerica was one of the first, uh, uh, you know, it was, and you're familiar with that. And, um, and, and that opened my eyes to what was even possible. That's what got me into being a financial advisor. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it was just, you know, no choices. I had to go to work Mm -hmm. and I always had to have a job. I couldn't just go to school or anything, anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then I think from there, it was just the thought process that, I, I didn't want to be the the grinding. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't want to do stuff that I didn't like. 
didn't like doing my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, and you you mentioned earlier in your journey that once you got a hold of real estate, you know, it was just like everything else was just. You, I, I I had a similar conclusion, you know, and at the time I was, you know, 17 years into a, you know, military career where you can only retire when you hit your 20 year mark. <laughs> yeah, Man, yeah. I mean, once, <laughs> once I realized that the real estate is the way I wanted to go, that last three years ended up being difficult, you know, really difficult pushing through, not because the job changed, but because I changed and changed, uh, yes. yeah, I changed, you know, and yeah. so. Um, yeah, I, I agree with, with, with all that. I mean, some of it's necessity and some of it's just, you realize what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going through the same experience yeah. right now. So, cause I'm getting out this summer and yeah. I realized I'm like, Hey, this is something I want to do. I want to be yeah. involved in commercial real estate. I want to be a real estate investor, entrepreneur, however you say it, however you want to define it. I know that's what I want to do. Yeah. And right now these last just yeah. dragging on by, but it's good. Good mm-hmm. because I'm getting an opportunity to meet all these people, network, absorb yeah. all the experience um, from, from you guys. It's, yeah. it's awesome. I, I want to go back to that that Prime America stint you had because mm-hmm. it's funny because Robert Kiyosaki actually did the same thing as well. Where he's like, I just I started selling uh, what is it, printers? Is he selling printers? That was like one of his first jobs, but he did it because he wanted to learn the skill, and that's yeah. I think that's something a lot of people try to try to avoid. Right? They're like, I don't want to join some. Yeah marketing or things like that. I'm like, no, they actually have really good training programs in the back doors behind those. And it'll teach you so much about sales psychology techniques. Um, And that's something that, you know, uh, people have to kind of break out of that that mindset. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, and you know, I just to, just to top that off, I can tell you another story. So my, my daughter just graduated last year. She's 19. She said, mom, what am I going to do? I don't want to, I don't want to go to university. We've never really promoted it. Um, uh, we promote more entrepreneurship. I actually signed her up with a Primerica rep and to nice. learn. I said, this is the best thing you can do. You can learn how to sell life insurance. You can sell anything, girl. So she's, she took her life insurance license and uh, that's what she's, well, she's also a server. She's, mm-hmm. which she loves as well, the social aspect of it. But um, yeah, I, I said sales number one skill that you can learn. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've come full circle with my kids, you know, 10 years ago, I was hundred percent on the mindset of go to college, get good grades, you know, or, or get good grades, go to college, you know, so you can get a really good job. And that was, that's what I told my kids. And, you know, once again, you know, I changed, you know, I, I realized that, Hey, this entrepreneur thing, this, this real estate thing doesn't, you, you can't learn this in college, you know, you can't, college doesn't teach you how to do what we're doing. And it's in, in a lot of ways, so much better than a lot of things you can get out of college. So, you know, my, my oldest daughter, who's obviously going to hear this because she's the podcast editor, you know, she got the get good grades, get good grades, get good grades. And, wow. you know, my, my younger kids are getting a much different, you know, what do you want to do? You know, learn skills above, you know, going to school, get the good grades and get your degree. You know, one of the best books I ever read and really changed my life, actually, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Why Do A Students Work for C Students and B Students Work for the Government? And I, you know, I love that book so much because I was a C student. And you know what? In school, that's never celebrated ever, ever. Yeah. Like, there's always something wrong with you if you're just a C student, right? Yeah. And, you know, I learned that C students, there is a, 
like a whole persona which allows you to be a better entrepreneur than most Mm -hmm. and and that's what I try to teach my kids nowadays like and my kids were both uh, really really smart in school like A's and B so I kind of they go yeah no I could be a C I could be a C (laughs) yeah yeah I can get C's just like anybody else yeah right so yeah I I don't know I mean (laughs) I'm (laughs) I have one daughter stressing about English Mm -hmm. She speaks perfectly English, but she's struggling with Macbeth. Like you guys remember Macbeth and yeah. Shakespeare and stuff. And I go, you know what? Don't worry about it. I said, just skip that part. She goes, well, mom, I might fail. I go, how can you fail? You got 80. Yeah, well, that was last semester. I'm not going to get 80 this semester. And I go, nobody's going to care. And she's going, you're the only mother that ever says that. <laughs> I, I was uh, a ROTC instructor. So we're trying to get kids through college, get their degree so they can you know, commission in the Marine Corps, or the Navy. And one of our common sayings was C's get degrees. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what a lot of people would have said. And, and at first it, it was like nails on a chalkboard for me, but uh, end of the day, you know, C's get degrees. And if that's what you're looking for, all you need is C's. But uh, anyway, we, we digress, Brian, back to you. Another question. What else you got for us? You guys. Yeah. You had a, a lot of good points that a lot of people yeah. need to hear. It's, it's hard. And especially yeah. as, as I'm growing, I, I went through the traditional track, you know, got my degree. I was so concentrated on academics and just excelling in all those things. And you realize like out here, it's, they just look at you like, Hey, what, can I trust you? What yeah. I know about Like they, they look at the person and not looking at, that's yeah. a cool degree. Nice. Your, your degree. I, I learned this from a professor, you know, in a PhD program. So way too late. He says, your degree will get you your first job. Nothing else. Absolutely right. Yeah. Even even then, nowadays, I think 60% of people that that graduate with degrees do not get what they want in their field. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not working in the field I got a degree in. Yeah, I know. Two degrees in math. I spent 20 years in the military. I mean, I never once had to use anything (laughs) above (laughs) algebra, right? I mean, every once in a while, there'd be something that I could pull out an algebra you know, skill. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing 10th grade math now. Yay. You know, and people would be like, wow, you're so smart and good at math. I once had a different, I once had a differentiate here in this, my current job right now. And it's just like one time everyone's like, I said, yeah, so derivative. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's one time. One I could have Googled that. I could have literally Googled this and been just as impressive as now. Oh, yeah. so it's, <laughs> It's just one of those things. It's hard. And, and, uh, it's, it's good to hear that from parents, mm-hmm. right? Because parents, that's what they're taught. And mm-hmm. for you guys to kind of go against, it's the grain really and go, no, do well, excel, work hard, but you yeah. got to do smart. You got to be smart with it. And you're telling your kids how to be smart with it. Right. Um, I really like that, you know, and that made her, her daughter sign up for that marketing. That's going to be great, mm-hmm. great skill that she won't realize until like later on. She'll be like, Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's kind of finding, you know, some of the studying a little bit of pain in the butt, but you know, she, she knows, she knows that. And she studies a lot on mindset because I study a lot on mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a big key as well. And and Brian, would would having your your daughter be the podcast director, put that on your resume. Yeah. But she won't, she won't go for a job like that. People are going to see that experience go, all right, if I ever need to make a podcast, I'm going to help. Like, you know, right. I, I, I had, I asked her to take it. I mean, she's a 10, she's not an employee. She's, uh, right. you know, 1099, Nine. but, uh, 
you know, she set up an LLC for it. So she has an LLC with the name and the structure and everything else. And if, if she wants to scale it, she's had several people ask her to edit podcasts. You know, if she wants to scale it, she can, you know, if she wants to hire employees to do the work for her and create a company, she can, but uh, you know um, it's, it's just, you know, one thing that she's, she's been able to do. And uh, yeah, it's, it's different than I would have ever done when I was that age. I was afraid to even, you know, set up an LLC, you know, it's just like, I don't even know what that is, you know. I remember, I don't know. I remember yeah. selling my LLC two years ago, freaking out, right? Yeah. Had my, it's not that hard. Phone and freaking out. I was like, hey, what's yeah. yeah, I've now set up dozens of LLCs. Yeah. It takes about 10 <laughs> minutes, right? I tell people all the time now, I'm like, yeah, go ahead and put that in their LLC. They're like, I don't know. Like, no, it's not. A, I don't know. It's a, just do it, and you'll be fine. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, not that hard. <laughs> That's how you learn. Just do it, right? <laughs> yeah, just do it. So, um, okay. And, and then my my last question. This is it's kind of personal right now. Why the pink hair? The pink hair. <laughs> you know, uh, a few years ago, my daughters were experimenting with different colors in their hair. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time they, they had always had long hair. So they do that last two inches, or, mm-hmm. you know, a streak here and a streak there. And I liked it. I liked it on them. Yeah. I thought, well, that's so cool. I love it. And uh, so I went to my hairdresser and I said, do you think like my hair were look good with, with some streaks in it? And, and so we started out with like a purple and a green and a pink. Yeah. And, you know, only the pink stuck. The green washed out immediately. The purple washed out immediately. Mm-hmm. And so then we did the, the pink. And wherever I go, people go, oh, it's like candy cane, candy, candy floss. I think it I think it matches your personality perfectly. It's was bright say, and colorful and fun, you know? You know in CL, some I was told a long time ago. So I've always been this kind of person. Mm-hmm. You got to find a way to stand out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I have I have a few few ways that I do it. Some people say I have a colorful personality. I swear swear a fair amount. And you know, and I don't care if people like me. I really don't give a shit. And that you know, there's a few things that I just kind of let that shine. And you know, I'm a Canadian. I'm pretty nice anyway. So it's not like I'm looking <laughs> at enemies or anything. But uh, there's a kind of a few signature things like yeah. spicy, <laughs> pink hair, pink hair lady. <laughs> yeah. you, you you hit the nail on the head. You want to be memorable, you know, especially if you're in a sales or marketing business. You want people to remember you. I mean, in in, in other businesses, it's fine being the person that you know disappears and evaporates in a crowd, you know. Um, if you're trying to play the spy game or something like that, but uh, you know, sales and marketing, you want people to remember you, you know, and, uh, and even on top of that, like I don't do just real estate. I mm-hmm. also teach mindset training mm-hmm. because I've always believed well for many, many years now that 95% of your success happens up here. Mm-hmm. And so that's another signature of mine is I work as much on mindset training with my students as they do real estate, because you can learn all the strategy in the world but mm-hmm. if you're you don't have the strategy and the the or the confidence to pull right. the trigger, um, that, that's not going to help you. So I, I work a lot on mindset too. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I appreciate that. Well, we are running out of time, and I know Edna, you've got a hard stop at the top of the hour, so we'll wrap up here. And one final question for each of you, uh, Edna, you get to go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Well, you know, I 
like I said, my website's mm-hmm. probably the best way, but I have something that I've started offering in the last year that's really going over good. And I do a five-day challenge for people who are considering mm-hmm. uh, getting into multifamily, don't know where to start, don't know why it would be for them and stuff like that. And my next uh, one is coming up in January, but I'm going to be at uh, January 17th, but I'm going to mm-hmm. do, do the monthly going forward. And it's a great place to see if, if multifamily uh, using other people's money might be a place for you to start thinking because um, a lot of people want to scale, but, but they have no idea how, mm-hmm. uh, or, or they think as I thought, because the first time I was told about the apartment building, remember I said our, mm-hmm. our uh, purchase 18 months in was a 24 unit. Yeah. I'm sitting in front of a realtor and he's, as I said, yeah, we want to buy 20 more houses this year. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I'm just buying an apartment building. And I just automatically said, Oh, I can't. I don't own enough houses. Sounds too difficult. Yeah. yeah, Or or maybe I played Monopoly too much as a kid, but I really thought that I had to own a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of, you know, and build up my own net worth and all that kind of stuff. And he said, Oh no, that's, that's not, that's not true. So before I left his office that day, I put in a 24 unit building under contract. So, and, and that, so making decisions quickly is, is Mm -hmm. something too. I think people need to be able to do, but, uh, some that 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 was my first thought, and I started thinking. Well, I bet you that's other people's first thought when it comes to like, oh, I, I can't go straight into multifamily. Mm-hmm. I've taken 18, yeah. 19 year old kids that still live at home with their parents to seventy two doors within uh, two years of working with me. Nice. So absolutely can happen, but if you don't even know where to start, that challenge is a good place to start. Nice. And how how frequently do you do the five day challenge? I'm I'm going to be doing them once a month going forward. I did I did only two this fall, but I'm going to do once a month going forward. Awesome. So anybody interested in that five day challenge, you know, definitely look her up ednakeep.com and the the hyperlink is going to be in the show notes for that. Sounds amazing. Um, Brian, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Hey, best way to reach out to me is actually through LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah, I don't have a TikTok or anything like that. Not cool like Edna, but uh, Brian Kevin Lagrange. Put that in there and you'll, you'll find me in there and I add, you know, and I, All right. I love Messenger and I love talking. So yep. And that, that, that's where we met. It was Facebook. So, <laughs> boom. Easy. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much to both of you today. This was an absolute pleasure and uh, thanks. Brian, I have to say, I have to say something too. Yeah, please. I love the format of your podcast. Uh, this is the first time I've I've had it done this, or bring kind of like a like a newer person on and and ask like seasoned mm-hmm. and newer. That's that's so cool. So that's probably why it's so popular. I love. Thanks, it. I appreciate that. You know, and we were we were just looking to do something different. You know, and it took a lot of brainstorming to to figure out how we could do something with a little different take and. Uh, I wish it was my idea, but uh, you know, one of the benefits of being part of a team is sometimes your teammates have better ideas than you have, and you can run with it. So, <laughs> Lots of times, right, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, so yeah, mo- most of the good ideas in this company aren't mine, but uh, you know, I, I'm I'm maybe better at executing than I am at uh, you know coming up with new things. Yeah. But uh, very appreciate your kind. Uh, kind I, do, words. I do love it. It's uh, it's it's something like I and I've been on a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. and it's the first one I've had like this. So even before when I was under when I was told what the format was going to be, I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. So thank thanks to both of you for for making this such a fun time, and uh, very much appreciate both of your kind words. And I, I look forward to interacting with you guys in the future. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. 
If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.